No, don't do that. Uh, how was how was that fucking helpful in the slightest? <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Twenty Years of C Through Twenty Seven podcast, a podcast that's been attempting to document some of our favourite stories from over the years, as we now bring you with us on a journey into the third decade of C Through Twenty Seven. You are very welcome. As always, I'm your host Richard Trigg. And in today's episode, I'm chatting with both Liam Brown and Chief C through 27 bully, Johnny Leach. We got up outside the mill studio in Norfolk in between takes to chat about the brand new record that we've been making and some of the meanings behind the songs. Remember, if you are one of the people still clinging on to this sinking ship and even enjoying this pointless podcast, please drop us a rating and leave us a quick review. Okay, here come the pure vibes, Johnny and Liam on the 20 years of C through 27 podcast. So today I'm joined by Liam and Johnny, and we're currently sitting outside the Mill Studio. Paul and Baker are finishing off the drums and bass for the new record, and we're currently sitting outside in some glorious weather. Flat is next to us. I like a bit of drums and bass. With Flat very is. little on and very sunburnt. And uh, it's not an interview about drum and bass, mate. Yeah. Can we keep keep it to the fucking subject, please? Sorry. It's all right. Um, how are we going? How's the, how's the recording been going? Do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, you put the best band in the world in a, in a studio, yeah. yeah, magic happens. The rest <laughs> is history, as they say. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, I thought it'd be nice to chat about this new record, because like, we've obviously mentioned it in the podcast, and the time this goes out, hopefully some of the record will be out. Um, but I thought it'd be cool just to just get stuck in on some of the content and the lyrical meaning and maybe the stories and vibes behind some of the songs and where they came from. Um, so there's seven tracks on the record. Right. I guess we're calling it an EP. Are we calling it an EP? What it's are we calling it? It's an album. We're calling it yeah, seven it's tracks. It's kind of a mini album, isn't it, really? Yeah. So we've got seven tracks. We've got a song called You're Gonna Need a Bigger Boat. Obvious Jaws reference there. Yeah. Uh, well, You're Gonna Need a Bigger Boat is a metaphor for... You're Gonna Need a Bigger Boat to, to, to knock me down. Right. Um, so you're like the shark. Uh, pretty much, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a rocky one, isn't it? Um, very rocky, yeah. Yeah, I think it's comparable to um, shape up or shit out off our last, yeah. record, off our last record. Yeah. Definitely is, isn't it? That's that same kind of rolling riff. Same yeah, key. it's almost like <clears throat> it's not even angry. It's not an angry song. It's almost like I'm just above it. I can't be bothered anymore. Yeah, going to chat shit, chat shit. Yeah. Um, that could come across as arrogant and if it does come across as arrogant it's because it is right yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you're gonna need a bigger boat yeah yeah it's um it's probably my favorite i think yeah it's up there man i'll take the higher ground if it wasn't below me would sum up the track really okay yeah I'm not From getting involved said. in it anymore yeah we've got bigger things to do like making records yeah sitting in the sun <laughs> with my mates it was the watching Oli Gunnar Solskjaer it's I think that that track for me has a the significance for me is when we started creating some of these early demos for this record yeah this was the first one really that sort of came from a seems to came from a different place and I remember giving it to you Johnny and you were 
sending me WhatsApp messages with different lyric ideas. And I, for me, I think it was just really exciting to hear like a different vibe where you were going with it. Yeah, I was listening to, listening to a lot of gigs at the time. And there's a lot of space. There's a lot of space in the tracks. And they don't seem to feel the need to fill it up with yeah. fucking constant syllables, like say an Eminem would. Yeah. They just feel the track. It's more of a song and they're feeling the song. And you can feel the song with them. Which yeah. I really liked. Rather than like, you know You get you can digest the lyrics when you hear them like that, can't you? Whacking off syllables constantly. Yeah. Which I've done in the past and to be honest, it's a little bit it gets a bit tedious. You're good at that. Yeah, but it didn't feel right for the record. I just wanted to say what I wanted to say. I compare it to say listening to say uh, Joe Satriani or Steve Vai. Yeah. It's a bit fucking boring after a yeah. while, isn't it? We say listen to John Mayer, he can switch it on and off when he needs to. Absolutely. There's no need to fucking, you don't need to fill every bar. I like, I like the space on the record. There's a lot of space, not just with me, with Liam, with um, Paul. Yeah. With guitars, there's just more space, which is nice. I think the lyrics flow through better, so you can hear the story, you can hear the vibe better. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think it's worked out quite well. Right, definitely. Um, so next one I've got down is put it there put it there yeah this is the like the new beautiful sky yeah and um i'm talking from someone who's kind of uh an like as if i'm the audience really when i'm when i'm hearing the lyrics it's a story it's a story of, of see-through really yeah it's the story there's a few references in there um and, and yeah it's like the new version of beautiful sky but with updated lyrics to, to tell you what's been going on in our lives or more specifically in johnny's life recently yeah. so it's certainly got that vibe hasn't it yeah but it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's a positive song. It's got an uh, uplifting, optimistic kind of feel to it, I think. Yeah, I think even the original Beautiful Sky was a bit pessimistic. Was it? Yeah, fuck the system and all that. Whereas yeah. the, main, the, main, the, main, the main influence behind this track is my nephew. Yeah. And how having him, him being born changed the way I look at life and look at yeah. things. Like now I've got a nephew and he calls me Jay. Yeah. Found a little refuge along the way. If it's cool with you, man, I think I'm going to stay. That's the main thing. And then like, obviously there's a lot of, lot of references to old see tracks. Yeah. I love that lyric. Thanks. Thanks. You're not actually part of the interview, so... <laughs> you don't mind keeping it down. I, uh, you, you told me when we were writing that how, I'm how, kidding, I'm kidding. how therapeutic that, that one was for you. Right? <clears throat> yeah, it was, because I think I originally wrote it. Do you know, I'll tell a little story. Is, um, I was stuck in this vein of... I wrote the lyrics for it, and I think it was like, just... I think you told... I spoke to you, and you said um, I was being lazy. You said, look, you can do better than this. And I thought about it, and I thought I am being lazy. So I went back and <clears throat> put a bit more effort in. And, uh, yeah, it worked out. You can listen to the opening lyrics. It's, it's saying these, so these bad things have happened. Yeah. But now I've got a nephew. Now, like life, it doesn't matter. Yeah. None of it matters. Yeah. It's and all I, irrelevant. Yeah. I think in the lyrics on that song, you're kind of you're looking back at the lyrics from your old songs, and you're kind of saying how it is different now that you have got your nephew in your life, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And you know, a nephew being a reference to just family in general and yeah. friends, and trying, you know, trying with a certain degree of success to get away from. Bad, bad influences in my life. Yeah. Bad people. No. You know, and just being around good people and healthy people. 
I think the whole vibe of it, of that tune, certainly sums it up, really. Yeah, that's good. I think. Flatty, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. With Cheers. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> so next one I got is uh, is a uh, is a track which probably here down the microphones, Paul still tracking, which is a song called Stargazing. It's come up on most of the podcasts, someone referencing it. I think Paul Emery cited it as the greatest song ever written. Did he? Yeah. So this, so this started life with an idea that uh, Adam, former bass player Adam, had sent, and we sort of reworked. Yeah, it's just like an instrumental track. That's right, yeah, yeah. just like a loop. So it started life there, but it turned into, it turned into something... Something a bit different, isn't it? I think it's a little bit special. Yeah. Yeah, it it feels a lot more current than uh, any stuff we've done before. I, yeah. I think there's a tra trap influence, isn't there? Uh, it's it's a storytelling. It's like a... It's autobiographical, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the most autobiographical. It, and it's, and it's very storytelling. I find myself like being taken through the, the streets and the buildings in, in the lyrics when I listen to it. That's exactly what it's about. And um, so it, it, the, the song goes along, and then, not to not to ruin the surprise, but it, then it, it takes a heavier turn. And I thought, wow, even though it's so different, it still has a, a see-through element to it at the end there, where we really go for it, yeah. style at the end. Sorry, I agree with all that. Yes, thanks, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why do you think people are connecting with that one? I mean, like from us point of view and, and friends and family that have heard it, <coughs> that seems to be the one that everyone. I think because <coughs> when you when 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 run. When writing songs, I learnt along like I think to connect to people you have to be you have to be you have to be vulnerable yeah. to a certain extent. But you don't want to be over vulnerable. You don't want to give too much of yourself away. Yeah. You want to give enough away that people can relate to. Yeah. It's it's vulnerable, man. I've I've put my heart out there. And, yeah. Uh, I didn't expect people to relate to it, but they did. Yeah. A, it, I think it's Ace that song. Yeah. Swoosh time. Podcast time, see-through style. Okay, next on the list, we've got Some Mad Business. That is just literally, <coughs> after writing so many heavy tunes, it's just me having a bit of fun. Yeah. Every lyric is ironic. I mean, I think, put it there, references Paul McCartney. Yeah. So what, yeah, what is that? I didn't, I, I didn't get that. Well, I just thought it'd be funny to reference Paul McCartney in one song and then diss him in another. Yeah, but how is Put It There a reference to Paul McCartney? Put It There is a Paul McCartney song. Okay. Put It There if it weighs a ton is a Paul McCartney lyric. Okay, I didn't realise that. It's just, it's just a bit ironic, really. Which is, the irony of it is, I guess, that it's a lot of people's, I think Liam quite likes the lyrics. I think you like, you said it's yeah, your favourite lyrics. Yeah, I think they're, 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 they're silly. Yeah, they're silly, they're kind of action easy. packed. Yeah. yeah, it's like a cartoon strip, it's great, yeah. It's that's the best way to that's a great way to describe it actually like a cartoon it is yeah that that song is like that actually isn't it really? it's just playful this it's um like you say not not too serious yeah in terms of subject matter but i think i just smashed it out after i'd done stargazing yeah for a laugh and freestyled a lot of it and uh yeah i can't really concentrate with flatty here <laughs> um yeah basically just yeah just smashed it out freestyled a lot of it and ended up keeping it yeah yeah it's um, it's got a lot of space in it, hasn't it? Musically, I think Tom summed it up well. It's like a cartoon. Yeah, and music-wise, it is slightly different uh, to what we've done in the past. Oh, I think. Can we get Flay back, please? I think we've upset him. Flay, Flay, you can come back. Can we get you back here, mate? 
Okay. Um, next on the list is Million Voices. Not to be confused with the... Uh, <coughs> who did the track originally? Uh, Yusuf Indoor. Yeah. Naina Cherry. Naina Cherry. Not to be confused with that version. No, I like taking other people's song titles and then yeah. using them. Yeah. Um, this is a, a slightly different vibe for us, maybe? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's basically, I suppose, a live band doing a trap song. Yeah. Lyrically, I'd put it next to stargazing with the emotion that I put into it. Yeah. When I, when I first heard the lyrics of this one, it, they weren't instant lyrics. <laughs> It took, a, it took a few listens to absorb them and then start enjoying them. At the start, I was like, oh, okay, it's all right, yeah. Yeah, same. But then after a while, and then I think Flatty pointed out that the lyrics were actually fucking really good in this one. And I thought, yeah, they are. Yeah, again, it's, there's a lot of content in this one, actually. A lot of, very wordy. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of cryptic stuff in there as well. Yeah. Which, you know, you don't, you, hopefully, well. You take a lead on most of this track, Liam, which is... Something that ne not necessarily has happened for a long time? Yeah, probably. That's probably right. And I think that's cool. I think it gives it a different vibe for the record at that point, where it's going to be. That's the kind of a new sound for us because it's the sound of an upright piano, which yeah. is not really something that we'd specifically done before. Yeah. Because, the, you know, to be honest, with the keyboards I had years ago, you know, when we were in the band the first time around, the piano sounds on them were fucking terrible. Yeah, but we, and we did things differently then, though, didn't we? It was kind of like... I think it was um, it was Baker who was saying when listening to the tracks, it's almost like we wrote a track and then we take things away, which is certainly what we are doing now. But 20 years ago, we'd just write a track and just keep adding to it. So like that's it. Yeah, parts would get lost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, parts would be significant but insignificant in the in the whole thing of it. And now we're we're taking more away from the songs to let the important parts kind of shine through a bit more maybe definitely yeah i think it's a bit of a, a tag team thing it's like as soon as the guitars go out yeah. the keyboards come in definitely and then when the keyboards are done the guitars yeah, are yeah, back yeah. in absolutely yeah. um i'm a pirate baby it's the next one and funnily enough we were talking about this last night about how it came about paul and i were listening to a I mean, hold on to your pants at this point we were listening to a pink song <laughs> And it turns out, might have accidentally nicked it from a Pink song, um, but I don't have, I don't know. Maybe I always it thought it was more Hendrix influence. I was on a bike ride. I fucking and know the track now you mention it. I was on a bike ride. You're fucking idiot. And it was in my head. <laughs> I don't know it. I and do. the riff came to me in my head, and then I phoned up Flatty, didn't I? To you. you sent me a video note going, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, cheers, Flatty. And... So then Flatty recorded that for me, and then I built the whole track and the guitars and drums, everything around that, that sample, which turns out might be from Pink. Irrelevant. I mean, it's, an, it's a bit of an odd, oddball, this one, isn't it? Well, Flatty or the song? The song. The song. Um, can I just say for the record, I love Flatty. Mm. Um, yes, enough. Thanks, Flatty. I remember recording it and sending you a, a, a fucking WhatsApp of it and saying, is this... Genius or is this shit? <laughs> yeah, I remember that now. And you're like, I think it could be genius. Yeah. So again, it's about the build, you know, the life of, um, it's about addiction again, but it's just a bit more quirky. Yeah. And you know, if you diss the, the hippies in there, fuck marijuana. Yeah. You know, turn them out of Lala. Yeah. You know. Yeah, for me, I, when I first heard that riff, I thought, 
don't know about this. It yeah. Sounds a bit. I don't know. I, I did it sound a bit too um, like a weird sort of pop music. Yeah. Very odd. Yeah. Uh, like slightly unnerving. Like a little bit too happy, maybe. I don't know what it was. But then after a while, it just kind of grew. Just from playing it so many times, just became a part, not, part of my brain, and I, I enjoy it now. Is that not like a metaphor for CC27 as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was showing a fellow musician, Matthew P, you're going you're gonna to need a bigger boat. And he was saying what an odd song it was and how it was put together so strangely and how the backing vocals were just, he'd never heard anything like it. Yeah. yeah. Goes, I suppose it is kind of odd. so weird. because <laughs> I absolutely love it. Yeah. So I think most of our stuff's like yeah, that, really. It just, just works, doesn't it? I think, for me, I'm a Pirate Baby has probably got the best mid-eight that we've ever created yeah, in the band. Yeah, when I heard... When I heard that mid eight, I was, I was impressed. I thought it was fucking so melodic. Yeah, it was un, untrue. That's that's my highlight of the record. That mid eight yeah, musically, I, I think. Yeah, it's a good moment on the record for sure. Yeah, it is a bit of an odd song though, but I, I think that does sit there with with bigger boat. Like you said, the, about um, million voices and stargazing sort of sitting together. That one seems to sit in that realm. Yeah, bigger boat and um, I'm a pirate. Yeah, are, are the big riffy ones for me, and they're probably my two favourite. Yeah, I haven't really said what my favourite is. Like, it's not stargazing because I just yeah. prefer these other two. Yeah, for being more just fun to play. Yeah, I think it's also more about it's more about the fun side of that lifestyle. Yeah, Lemon Woman Slammers, Lana got the swagger, the queen of the manor. Yeah, you know, it's more about not glorifying, but more about the fun side of it. Yeah, which inevitably doesn't last. Like raping and pillaging, you mean? Yeah. Exactly like raping and pillaging, Paul. Um, this is Paul, who recorded his podcast. You might have heard that one. And then immediately said, I really want to fucking re-record my fucking podcast because I think I fucking swear too much. And I said, you did swear a lot. So, like, but that is how you talk. He goes, no, I fucking don't. My mum baked me a fucking quiche. Cunting fucking quiche. Cunting Cunt. Podcasting, see through 27. A little bit like casting your birding but with less bacon and less fish hooks what's the last one because i've got things to do mate yes okay <laughs> the the last one uh on a record uh learn to love the bomb which came about in a slightly odd way right <coughs> to be honest i don't want this to turn into like a drug a drug podcast but i was just completely off my fucking head when i wrote that yeah and it was seven years ago they were dark times, if you remember, Flatty. Yeah, so you you done at Flatty's an, house. I sampled. It, yeah. I think I sampled Jack White's band. What are they called? White Stripes. No. Oh. Uh, not the Rapids. Dead Weather. Dead Weather. Sampled Dead Weather and just basically wrote a very angry track about um, addiction. It was Did just. Did you not change the lyrics? No, it's just before I went to rehab. When I was just churning out song after song after is song. It's still the same. Still exactly the same. So for me. It kind of is the odd one out on the record. Yeah. So, a well, bit I guess of, it serves a place. Yeah, a bit of backstory. So this original track that you did lived in Dropbox for many years. Yeah, and then seven years before yeah, anyone heard it. You and I then attempted to do a couple of tracks a few years ago, and you'd come up from, from rehab and stuff. And we worked on a couple of tracks, and one of them just wasn't working. And I said, well, should we try the lyrics? I don't think from, any of them were working. No, probably not, but... We were like, should we try these old lyrics that you had from this other track that you've done? We shoved them on there. It was okay. And it then sat on, on Dropbox in a different incarnation for a few years until 
we decided to do something for the 20th anniversary. And then I pulled out of there, had a listen to it, and just had a play with it for an hour because I was kind of excited by the prospect of doing the band again, maybe. And I sped it up, if you remember, and then I put it back on the group. And I was like, oh, hang on, now this has got a different vibe. I remember vibe now. Um, talking to Liam about it, and Liam was saying when he was doing the keys to it, how excited he was. It was, yeah, this was the starting point. Yeah, it was, of, yeah. Of the rec of so it's kind record. of an important track in its own right. Yeah, really exactly. For that. for that reason, it's important um, to me. And yeah, when I was tracking at home, I'd got my computer set up on my sound card and I was in business making music. And um, yeah. Man, one tell you. yeah, big time. And I was tracking this, you know, putting some synths down and it just sounded so glorious. And I was just like, when I'd done the take, I was dancing around the room on my own and stuff, just like going, yes! Yeah, it was great. It was like the energy was back and we were connected again somehow. Yeah. Do you remember when Brian Kidd jumped on his knees and Fergie ran onto the touchline? It was a bit like that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit like Kiddo and Ferguson, yeah. Yeah, because if you look at me and Liam, we're a bit like Brian Kidd and Alex Ferguson. In we, many ways, yeah. In many ways. Sky and Shadow. We are like Brian Kidd and Alex Ferguson. Yeah. Because without us... And then I later became Carlos Quiroz. Yeah. And Ferguson. Yeah. And yeah, and Ferguson rolled into one. Lovely. Um maybe like Paul's the Bruno Fernandez of that. Paul will play him in. Right. The flat is more like uh, I don't know, say the Barry Fry of the band. Right. We Fry, yeah. <laughs> Google him. Let's get it finished. After we got Liam's keys back for the track, it really sort of turned into a different thing from the demo. I think it's important that Liam had more input writing-wise on this than in the past, which he mentioned in this podcast. Absolutely, yeah. I think it shows that um, everyone's had a good input on it. And we really sort of worked the end of the track and yeah, it just took on its own sort of identity. And I think lyrically for me, I really, it feels like it's very insular, which is, so I'm not sure how it will translate to other people, but hopefully the positivity of it um, will come across, but it feels like it's a song written for us as a band. Do you know what I mean by that? Or is that mental? Well, it's telling the story of our... Yeah. yeah I think songwriting's got to be selfish. If you start writing for other people, then you're in trouble. Yeah. This song has, um, tells a big part of the story of the, the album, I think. Yeah. I didn't write this album about for anyone but myself and the, and the band, and that's it. And that's not in a selfish way. I hope that it helps people and translates to people. And one thing I wanted to ask you, Johnny, um, is that actually a Josh Ritter lyric? Is that? Is that Learn to Love the Bomb? No, it's... Um, you know what song I'm talking Stanley about? It's a Stanley Kubrick film. Okay. How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Bomb being metaphor for your demons. Okay. You've got to learn to live with your demons. There learn we go. Love the Bomb. Actually, yeah, Josh Ritter does... Um, Temptation of Adam. Yeah, Last Temptation of Adam. W-W-I-A-A. Yeah. Um, but no, it's actually taken from Danny Kubrick. How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. And Learned to, and learned to Love the Bomb. Danny Kubrick film. In the oh. So there you go. There's a brief walkthrough of the new C3 record. Yeah, and I hope people enjoy it. That if you got anything to add? Yeah, I agree with all of that. Nice. Yeah. And Flatty, can you just... Can you tell your kayak jokes, please, just for the, just to end on a, a bit of a... Pass flat the microphone. Just to end on a light one. What do you get when you cross a duck and a kayak? I don't know. A swan. Brilliant. Yeah.